0: Almost forgot how to do that. I couldn't figure out how to get my, get into my sermon. I'm going, okay, okay. Where's it at? Okay, there it is. You're like, dag on! We thought we could leave right after that. Okay, I mean, we could. You know, I think we worshiped today already, and I appreciate uh, the band and uh, Debbie and Emily sharing with us today and leading us. We're starting a whole new series today. Um, back uh, when we planned this, uh, we realized that summer is always kind of a hit and miss time for folks. They're kind of in and out. Some of you guys have already maybe already been on vacation. You're getting ready to go going somewhere, you know, in July, August, whatever, but so we try to do something in the summer that has some cohesiveness, but at the same time, you wouldn't have to necessarily um, remember last week to get something out of this week if you weren't here for some reason. So because of that, I always try to find passages of Scripture that are cohesive, and so this summer, we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture that, uh, that really is um, a key to the Christian life. And that's in Galatians five, chapter uh, chapter five, verses twenty two through twenty three, uh, and, and it says this: "It says, but when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, He will produce this kind of fruit in us: love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control." What we're going to be talking about in this series, and I could talk about a different, a lot of different things, is how this relates to our relationships, because it says when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, uh, it'll do things in our lives. Um, so often people in relationships expect, particularly um, when we're looking for someone who the, be that life partner, we talk about finding the right person, right? I've heard that so many times. But the reality is in Scripture, I think it, the Scripture more talks about not so much finding the right person, but being the right person, uh, letting God be in us who he wants us to be. Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit wants to enable us to be the right person, and that's kind of what this scripture here talks about in a real sense. Uh, One of my good friends, Carl uh, Figg, he's my accountability partner, at the bottom of every one of his emails, he tags a Leo Toistel uh, uh, quote, which says this, it says, Everyone thinks of changing the world, but no one thinks of changing himself. And so often, we, yeah, we want to change somebody else, but we want to change ourselves. Well, the good news is, it's hard, you know, it's hard sometimes to change ourselves. As much as we want to change ourselves to be more disciplined or to do certain things in our life, sometimes it's difficult. But guess what it says here in Scripture? It says this here, that when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, He will produce the change in us. I don't know about you, but that's good news. It means I don't, I'm, not have to, I'm not empowered to do it myself, but God wants to empower in my life some things that's going to happen in our life. So we're going to be talking about these fruits of the Spirit and how they work in our life, and we're going to define what they are and how they work in regards to relationships over the next nine weeks. And so each week we'll take one of the fruits of the Spirit, guess which we're starting with today, we're going to do them in order, love. I mean, you know, love is, is, is something, you know, if you're going to talk about developing um, relationships going to talk about healthy relationships you got to start with love and in a sense the secret of love Uh, I I know uh, a lot of times we don't know what love acts like we are confused about love because love sometimes goes from exciting to uh, exhausting to expired all with the same person and we wonder how that works. You know, how can you have this, this exciting time with somebody that love, and then it becomes exhausting and then becomes no longer real? So what does that happen? The, the, what makes that happen? Well, we're going to talk about how to develop a kind of love that can last for a lifetime. In our marriage, with our kids, uh, with your parents, with friendships, uh, that's the kind of love I, I think you and I want to have in our lives. I, I want the kind of love in my life that lasts longer than a two-hour movie or a uh, 210-page paperback novel, and that's kind of the love that so often culture talks about. Today we're going to talk about that kind of love and how it can happen in our lives. Now, two simple things we're going to talk about today, two big picture things, and then we're going to talk about some things under that. The first thing is this, two simple things that you can do to keep love alive. Number one is we need to define love. Ask what love is. What is love? What is love? Because we have all these different uh, crazy things. You know, we use the same word love for a lot of things in the English language. I say I love my wife, Vicki, and I love ice cream. Now, I hope that I don't love my wife the same way I love ice cream. And I hope that you don't love people the same way you love. You say you lose love for all kinds of things. Um, we say all kinds of things like that in America same word but what does the word mean that's the key if I'm going to learn uh, have love for a lifetime I have to make sure I understand what it means and there's some popular misconceptions out there about love in our culture number one is this uh, one of the popular misconceptions is this love is only a feeling love is a feeling that's all there is to it it's an ocean of emotion it's a quiver in our liver you know i've heard those all those phrases before over the years um uh, that's what love is but love is is more than a feeling yes it affects our feelings powerfully but as we look at scripture today and understand what love is love is much 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 more than a feeling but so often in our culture, we talk about feeling. The second misconception, popular misconception in our culture is this. Love is uncontrollable. It's uncontrollable. A lot of people use words like, I feel giddy or, when, when they're in love. Or, I'm my head spinning. I'm in love. I'm weak in the knees. It sounds more like you're seasick than in love. But the reality is, that's, that's what the words we use to describe. People in love do the craziest things. Uh, we've, I've heard people say, I fell in love. Like you're going along and you trip and you just kind of fall into it like you had no choice in the matter at all it just kind of happened to you and there's a real danger of this misconception because when you say I fell in love what you're really saying it wasn't my fault I had nothing to do with it um it just happened and because of that it's real easy to what fall out of love as well kind of works both ways if if it's uncontrollable so how do you develop a love that lasts you have to understand what real love is now God has a different definition of love than what culture does the bible says that love is controllable it says it's controllable jesus matter of fact commanded that we love each other you remember that he said love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself he commanded us to love now if it was uncontrollable how can he command us to love He's saying it's controllable. We get to choose. I have control over who when I love and who I don't love. I get to choose. So let me look at a couple of things just briefly about what God says about love. Number one, God says that love is a choice. In Colossians 3.14, he says, and over all these virtues do what? Put on love. If you write in your Bible or you highlight things, put underline and highlight, put on love. He says we need to put on love, which binds them all together. He's saying this about love. He's saying, I choose to put it on. That's an action that I take that makes it work in my life. If it were a feeling or just an accident, then God couldn't command it. But he commands an action in our lives. That's the first thing he says. And also he says that love is a matter of conduct. The Bible says love is a matter of conduct. It's how I act. 1 John 3.18 says, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and truth. Actions, that's what love is really all about. It's how I act toward another person. You can talk until you're blue in the face, uh, but your heart will always be read read into your actions. You can say, I love you, but if your actions don't show that you love them, people won't believe you. You know that. So you put these things, these two things together that love is a a choice and love is a matter of conduct. You put these two things together, and and it kind of says this. It says, realize that the key is really the second point that we need to learn to act like love acts. That's what we need to do. We need to learn to act like love acts. The real question is how is it supposed to act? And who gets to tell us how it's supposed to act? Does Hollywood tell us how it's supposed to act? No. Because Hollywood has all kinds of crazy ideas. Hollywood has this, they have they I think three categories of love if we look at movies. Number one, sentimental. It's remember years ago, there was a movie that said this, had this phrase, love means never having to say you're sorry. Some of you are not old enough to remember that movie, it's called Love Story, a long time ago. If you want to go see a, a, soap, a sappy movie, just go watch Love Story. Uh, that's what it said, love means never having to say you're sorry. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> the person that wrote that had not been married or had a relationship longer than five minutes. We'll talk about that more in a minute. That's one idea that Hollywood says. Or, uh, I'll, I'll wait, uh, you know, if Hollywood defined that it, it could be cynical, it's like Tina Turner, what's love got to do with it? You know? That's what she said in her, one of her famous songs. You know, we could have picked out a thousand songs for today from Secular World and they'd all have been messed up in regard to what it says what love is. And that's one of them, cynical. Or, the big thing that, that, that Hollywood talks about in regard to love is It's sexual pick out one of a thousand movies and it kind of says it's all about the physical aspect of things so that's what we do that's not love I don't want to let Hollywood define how love acts and fortunately I don't have to because God thought all this up in the first place who and he made us to be loving people and the God who is love he tells us how love acts and guess where he tells us where how love acts how many of you are married okay been married you know think like to be married you know, something? What's the one scripture passage that almost everybody uses in every... I've used it in every wedding I've ever done over the last 127 years. Not really, not quite that long, but it's close. Um, 1 Corinthians 13. It's called what? The love chapter of scripture. It's come, come become known to that because what does it do? It describes love. It describes what love is supposed to be in a real sense. And it says, it's not the whole chapter, but just part of it. Beginning with verse 4, it says love is patient and kind love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude it does not demand its own way it is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged now we'll stop there a minute and we're going to talk about this a little bit today what i want us to do is talk about how love acts according to scripture according to 1 corinthians 13 because this describes how love acts If love is an action, is something controllable, the thing we have to do is we need to understand what it means to act like we love someone. Not just act like it, but do it in a real sense. And so what we're going to do today is two things. We're going to talk about this in light of scripture to understand what it says, but also what you can do today is evaluate your own relationships in regard to what biblical standards are. So that's the personal part. So on your outline, in the bulletin, on the back of your bulletin, there is all these points today. We're going to make five points we're going to talk about for a few minutes out of these things. And you can, you know, you can evaluate yourself. This is up to you. This is the application part today of Scripture. Uh, you can't apply this any more brutally than you are today to yourself. You know? So the first thing is this. Okay. So let's talk about this. Okay. What does it say to us in 1 Corinthians 13 about love? First of all, it says love is patient. And love is patient tells me that love is alive when it has time. Has time. Love, you spell patience what? T I M E. Time. Patience is time. It tells me, you know, so love is alive. A a love is patient tells me that love is alive when it has time. But it also tells me that love is dying when it's hurried or it's in a rush. And it tells me that love is dead when it cannot wait. So what does it mean to me that love is patient? Love and patient. It means it has to take time. We spend so much of our lives in the waiting rooms of life. I was wondering about Kaylee and Nate. Uh, uh, they, they, I went over to the hospital yesterday to visit with them, uh, Nate and, and, his, and his wife Kaylee. their third child, c- came along. And the first two were long, long, you know, fairly long, lengthy uh, labors and stuff. And then, man, this one was like, you yeah. <laughs> know. She wasn't in the waiting room of life any time with this baby. Went to the hospital about 9:30. The water broke at 10. The uh, Baby was born at 1:58, I believe. You know, and it was like so quick that they almost didn't have to. Nate said he thought he was going to have to do the, you know, get down and catch it. You know, it was that quick. You know, and uh, I was laughing at him, and I was going like, you know, all women hate you, <laughs> Kaylee, because. You know, I mean, the ones that have been too long, waiting rooms and pregnancies and the whole thing and that whole deal. But, you know, she was, of course, you saw, if you saw poor Kaylee walking around here for the last few weeks, she looked pretty miserable. But she was waiting for something to happen. A lot of life is waiting. It's waiting for things to happen. It takes time. We wait for children. We wait for illnesses to pass. We wait for a dream to happen. But the most important part isn't waiting with each other. Sometimes it's when we have to wait for each other to make progress in our lives that we struggle because it says this in ephesians 4 2 it says be humble and gentle be humble and gentle with each other be patient with each other making allowance for each other's faults because of your love patience means in a real sense being uh means i make allowances for, uh, for the faults of another person patience means not only waiting for someone but waiting waiting with someone but waiting for somebody Patience means I take the time to wait for somebody to make the changes in their lives, waiting for something to recover, making allowance for other people's faults, to wait for someone to get motivated. That's the tough part of life because so often we wish we could push people forward when we know they don't do what needs to be done. But love is patient. Love is patient. Now, when we're not patient, how many of you would say your greatest attribute is patience? I am not raising my hand. Your greatest attribute is patience. I don't see anybody here that's raising their hand. Why? We live in a culture, not only if we are already patient, we live in a culture that just promotes impatience. Everything has to be done quickly. But when I think about the importance of being patient, I think about how patient, think about this, how patient is God with us? How patient is God with you? I mean, I don't know about you, this is just me now. I make the same mistakes over and over again. Do you ever find yourself asking God for forgiveness for the same stuff over and over again? And you're going like, God, I know, I know I'm coming to you again with this, but, and then I go on to the same old stuff. That's patience. It took me a while to come to understand what it means to have faith in him, but he patiently kept drawing me in. He patiently waited for me. See, if the God who made the universe can take the time to wait for you and me, then we can learn from him to take the time to wait for one another, to make allowances for each other's faults, because that's part of what love is. Love acts, and one of the things it does is it's patient. Love is alive when it has time, number one. Number two, love is alive when it cares love is alive when it cares it's dying when it forgets and it's dead when it ignores you know the second thing it says in, in 1 corinthians thirteen four. there there says love is kind not always patient but it's kind that's a word we use a lot but what does it mean what does it mean what does it mean to be kind kindness i, I was starting to look at this and trying to ask myself the question kindness means the ability to care for each other and the practical details of everyday life that's what it means Kindness knows how to ter- take the, the vows that we make, the grand vows that we make uh, that you make in a wedding ceremony, and turn it into washing dishes and taking out the trash, even if it's not your turn or your responsibility. Kindness knows how to take the great hopes that we have you have in the hospital nursery when that baby is born and turn them into changing dirty diapers and staying up with sick kids. That's what kindness does. That's what it's all about. That love, it says love is kind. The kind of love that God wants us to have for each other is kind. Love knows how to care. Kindness means that I have to adapt to meet the practical needs of another person. It wouldn't be so hard if I, if I didn't have to change to adapt or give up some of my time, but what does it mean? How do you do that? Well, it says in Ephesians 4.32, it says, Be kind to each other, tender tender-hearted forgiving one another just as God has forgiven you it's something we learn to do I'm I'm going to be kind to another person I have if if I'm going to be kind to another person I have to have a tender heart towards them it means that I have to I have to realize that they're a person just like me who has struggles have you noticed how easy it is to lose compassion for people who are closest to you to get angry with people who are closest to you because they seem to let you down kindness is I realize that they have feelings just like me and kindness means I take time to forgive God says it's it's kind to forgive one another just as God has forgiven you now I'm going to to tell you a great secret here that you probably didn't know (laughs) the person that you're married to makes mistakes Did y'all know that? That wasn't a secret, by the way. That's That's the first part. The secret is this. The person that you're married to purposely makes mistakes. What? You know why? Because they have a rebellious heart. They have sin in their lives. They are just like you i'm not pointing at you brett and brett shook his head no No. (laughs) and the truth is we all sin that is active rebellion against god and guess what you're married to somebody who's a sinner and so not only do they make mistakes that they don't mean to they make mistakes that they mean to We not only make mistakes, but purposely rebel, purposely do the wrong thing. And because of that, guess what has to be a part of our life? Forgiveness. Forgiveness has to be a part of any relationship in love. The only way I can have a relationship of love with God is because he's willing to forgive me. The only way we can have a relationship with each other is by being kind enough to forgive each other. Well, you're thinking, well, they don't deserve forgiveness. Of course they don't neither do you neither do i that's why it's kind to forgive i don't deserve the forgiveness of jesus christ but he forgave me anyway i found it in the power of being forgiven I, i learned to forgive another person to be forgiving kindness means i have a tender heart and a forgiving heart toward other people love is alive when it cares number three love is alive when it is secure when it is secure Love is alive when it is secure, when it has the strength, the foundation of security. When it's, it's dying when it starts doubting. They, when we're starting going like, why do they do that? And it's dead when it stops trusting. When it stops trusting. And trust is the center of every relationship. First Corinthians 13 4 says love does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. If you had these uh, uh, words, I don't know if we have them on your outline or not, but if you wrote them down or something, and you circle that verse 13:4, love does not envy, does not boast, it is not proud. Beside these three words, envy, boast, and proud, you can write, that equals insecurity. That equals insecurity. The reason I envy is because I'm insecure. Maybe somebody has something better than I have. The reason I boast is because I'm prideful. But it's because of insecurity in my own life. Security is the number one issue in relationships. It's what makes relationships work. I have to build into my life a new kind of, uh, of security if I'm going to strengthen relationships. If you have any relationship and you add a little, just a little bit of insecurity, you can make it very unhealthy. So you need to ask yourself this question. This is the this is evaluation question. What am I doing to add insecurity to my relationships? What am I doing to add insecurity into my relationship? Let me tell you some ways you can know you're doing that. Are you hiding, hiding anything from your spouse? This is really quiet in here this morning. Add some security and be honest. What are you doing to add insecurity to your children? Let me tell you how you do that. When you discipline your children in different ways and different circumstances, they are insecure. One of the the greatest keys to secure children is be consistent in how you deal with them. Consistency is the number one key in parenting. And I've come to learn this this last week. I was in Virginia, uh, one, of the, one of the places I was at, Knoxville, Tennessee, Roanoke, Virginia, Fort Wayne, Indiana, in our world tour. Um, and uh, in the middle in Virginia, I was there with my parents and my wife's parents. They live within about 25 minutes of each other now, which is, makes it easier. Um, but I don't know if you're dealing with aging parents, <laughs> but sometimes they can become difficult <laughs> very 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 difficult several people asked me how was your vacation i said it's not a vacation (laughs) it's not a vacation to do that Uh, traveling 2200 miles and dealing with aging parents i hope my dad doesn't listen to this by the way he might but that's fine Um, what are you doing to add insecurity with a parent or an older parent that you haven't maybe it's you haven't talked to them in a while Uh, One of the things my mom said to me, and this this showed some insecurity, she she came to me and she said, said, she calls me Billy. She said, Billy, she said, please come back and see us more. And, 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 you know, don't, don't, keep stay away because, and I won't go into all the details, because of the way we act. And I realized there was this insecurity there in her life feeling that we were not going to be there for them. So I simply told her this. I said, no matter what happens, no matter how ill you become, no matter what we have to go through in life, no matter what struggles or difficulties, no matter what happens, I love you. God says that to us. No matter what happens, he says to us, I love you. We have that security with him. Love is alive when it's secure. Number four. Love is alive when it's giving. It's dying when it's exchanging. You do this for me, I'll do this for you, kind of a bartering system. And it's dead when it's taking, when it's selfish. There's all kind of different relationships we have. We have give and and take relationships. You give, I take. Some people do that. We also have fair exchange relationships. You do this for me, I do that for you. But the best best relationship that the Bible describes, uh, the most healthy kind of relationships is a give and give relationships talks about that in Scripture when it talks about spouses. It says, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Wives, submit to your husbands. It's really the same thing. It's mutual submission. It's both of us giving and giving. See, love is alive when it's giving. We have a real dangerous habit in our society of exchanging love. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. It's okay for business to do that, but it doesn't work very well in relationships. I think one of the reasons we have this habit is because of the whole concept of romantic love. Now, I'm all for romance, by the way, okay? Don't think I'm not. But the problem with romantic love, or at least the concept at the very core of romantic love, is the concept of the idea of exchanging love. You bring me flowers and candy, and I'll have sex with you. I just said that. Yes, in church, okay? (laughs) But it's kind of like that deal. It's kind of like, you know, we'll exchange something for something that's not romance that's that's just an exchange and a lot of times love is a lot more than romance many of you've been disappointed in life because you were looking for a love that was going to be romantic and make you feel good all all the time and it just didn't work out you, you were expected a fairy tale it became a grim fairy tale uh, you, you look at your life and you think if i'm supposed to be cinderella why do i feel like the ugly stepsister all the time or if i'm supposed to be snow white why in the world did i get stuck with dopey instead of the handsome prince you know i love romance it's great but that's not all there is to love it's a part of our lives but the definition you have to have for love must be a lot broader than that much of love isn't romantic romantic it's just sacrificial giving but let me tell you something it's the sacrificial giving that builds romance in your lives That's what love... Romantic love demands constant attention. Real love gives constant attention. I love there's a song uh, that one of my favorite Christian groups, Sidewalk Prophets, did. If you want to go back, come and listen to it. uh, Pull it down off iTunes or whatever. It's a really good song that talks about this. That love is is not easy. It's called... called, Sidewalk Prophets is the name of the group. The the title of the song is It's Good, and in parentheses. Princesses, love's not safe because it's talking about if you're going to take in life love is, is a risk it's a it's it's if you're going to give you know it, it's a risk